Thank you for joining us on IEB There, and now your host, Brad Behrens. Hi, everybody. I'm Brad Behrens, IEB's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to IEB There, which is our daily live stream show where we're connecting the industry and the people who live and work within it. I'm excited today to be joined by two guests. We're, we don't do things by halves. We launched this show yesterday with one. We're going uh, to today. Uh, my guests today are uh, our president, Ivy's president, David Cohen, and marketing and advertising reporter for the New York Times, Tiffany Hsu. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. Thanks very much. So uh, let's get going. The, uh, the topic today is what is happening with news during the coronavirus. And David had an op-ed in today's Business Insider uh, on the topic of what brands and agencies can do to, uh, uh, to help. And so David, can you walk us through the argument? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. And, and thanks, Brad, for the intro. I'm um, obviously very happy to, uh, to talk about an, a very important uh, topic. Uh, there's lots of lenses by which, by which one could look at what's going on in the news today. I'll pick two uh, for, for starters. One is as a, a human being uh, and as a person and as a consumer, uh, and then we'll talk about the business uh, aspect. As a human being and as a consumer, I'm sure uh, we're not unique in the Cohen household in that we have been riveted by the news and the news coverage over the past couple of weeks. Um, a slight anecdote, um, not perfect, but I'll take it back to um, when I got married in September of 2001. I got married in September 9th, 2001 and landed in Hawaii. Wow. On September 11th, 2001, I entered into our hotel, opened the door, turned on the television, and the first plane had hit the World Trade Center. And over the next couple of days, me and all of uh, my fellow Americans were in the lobby of the Four Seasons in Maui, huddled around the news to A, make sure that our friends and loved ones were safe, but to be kind of informed and educated on what was going on in the world. So uh, it's, it's obviously... Um, uh, super important. Uh, it was super important then, and it's super important now. Uh, from the business context, um, you know, at the IAB, uh, we've been hearing that uh, many of our members um, have been uh, kind of uh, agencies and brands have been blocking as a kind of routine, as a default, uh, the news and keywords associated with the coronavirus and COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, the need to be educated and informed uh, for our health and well-being uh, and to support a vibrant ad-supported news environment are two things that must coexist uh, and now more than ever. Uh, and uh, it's not overly dramatic to say that, that lives hang in the balance of our ability to maintain a, a vibrant, factual um, news ecosystem. So that's what kind of inspired the op-ed uh, and uh, hopefully uh, brands and agencies and anyone in the digital kind of uh, supply chain will uh, take notice and take heed and perhaps adjust their go-to-market. So what is the specific call to action that you're making for brands and agencies? What should they do differently than what they're doing today? Do not block uh, keywords and phrases associated with the health crisis that we are 
facing do not block the news as a matter of course, um, allow advertising and marketing to supply the much needed um, uh, fact-based, high quality journalism that we are all uh, relying upon to stay safe and healthy. And I think that it, it, it probably bears belaboring the point, which is that Right now, we have lots and lots of journalists like Tiffany uh, and her colleagues at the New York Times who are doing an extraordinary amount of labor to keep us informed. Uh, and yet, paradoxically, if uh, brands and their agencies are blocking the highly trafficked, uh, mo most lean-in content, that it makes it impossible for publications to uh, turn a profit uh, based on the work that they're doing. I mean, that's that's the the non-industry version, I think. Yes, that's, uh, that's correct. Right. So, so Tiffany, you actually had a story in yesterday's Times that was about an adjacent topic. Would you, can you walk us through uh, what it's about and please build a bridge for us uh, back to what we're talking about right now? Yeah, of course. So my colleague, Mark Tracy, and I spent the past few days looking at this kind of strange juxtaposition where you have a lot of uh, local papers, alt-weekly, smaller newspapers that are working on what is probably going to be one of the biggest stories of their lives, right? They're writing stories about the community effect um, of the pandemic in ways that are, are critical for their readership. But at the same time, the coronavirus is wiping out a lot of their sources of advertising, um, bars, restaurants, because so many of those um, establishments have been asked to close or to switch to takeout and, and delivery only you've got a lot of publications that are really hurting for revenue sources. So add into the mix the fact that a lot of advertisers are hesitant to advertise around coronavirus stories anyway. And you've got this really strange situation where um, these, these small publications are focusing so much of their, their resources into the story, but the story isn't generating any kind of revenue for them. So it's a tricky situation, right? You obviously need um, event and advertising revenue in order to function as a publication, and you need that more than ever now. So, so David, let's let's see if we can connect this because what Tiffany's saying that I think is is chilling is that at the same moment that we need local coverage, uh, local advertising is drying up because local business is drying up. Albeit, I think we also can talk about exceptions to that, which is, you know, if ever Grubhub should be, you know, launching a gigantic, uh, you know, national campaign, it would be right now. Uh, but uh, how does this correlate with your sense of what national advertisers, you know, the sort of advertising age top 100 uh, people in terms of spend are obviously Delta, which is not flying right now. I'm not sure that they're going to be doing a lot of advertising and there are other kindred within the airline industry. But can we, can you predict that we'll see, and on the national front, the, the kind of thing that we're seeing that Tiffany's uh, uh, describing on the local front. Yeah, yes, uh, I think that that's a pretty um, appropriate uh, guess. I, I mean, having been in that world uh, for quite some time, I, I can imagine, I mean, the typical response is, uh, you know, press pause, stop for a moment, reassess, replan, and then kind of execute. Uh, and, and it goes without saying that there, as you mentioned, Brad, there are different vertical categories that are obviously disproportionately affected um, by um, what we're kind of witnessing or bearing witness to 
Uh, and there are uh, kind of a wide range. There's a spectrum of uh, brand sensibilities uh, and, and sensitivities uh, around kind of the things that happen uh, in the world. So I think that I've learned throughout my career that there's not kind of one size fits all. Uh, in this case, however, I do think that it's a fairly foundational kind of basic ask back to the marketplace that news is kind of warranted for all uh, and that we should support the news from an ad perspective. Tiffany, are you hearing anything from your sources, the people you cover um, uh, outside of the local arena? And the answer, no, uh, is fine. But uh, like, what are you hearing that might validate this? I mean, there. look, there are definitely advertisers that are very, very skittish um, and, and rightly so. I mean, you it's the classic example of you don't want to be an airline that's advertising next to a story about um, a plane crash, right? So there are a lot of folks out there that definitely don't know how to approach the situation, right? They, they, they want to be sensitive. They won't, don't want to see, be seen as profiting um, off of a crisis of this magnitude. That said, there are also plenty of advertisers that are out there now um, putting out ads and print editions of major publications that address the pandemic. Um, you know, there was um, an ad from Safeway, the uh, grocery store chain that was thanking all of the employees of, the, uh, of their stores. Um, and you can make the argument that by adapting your advertising, your marketing in a way that addresses a lot of concerns or tries to educate people might be the way to go in this circumstance. I think there is a, going to be a brand lift for Safeway to have that kind of ad campaign, regardless of the just the, the content of the ad, right? They're, they're increasing exposure. They're uh, you know claiming uh, accurately, uh, you know that they're servicing their community at the at this particular moment. So it's not necessarily entirely uh, uh, you know altruistic for them to have that ad at that mm -hmm. time. So, um, but uh, sidebar, because I forgot to do this earlier, uh, for those people who are interested in uh, commenting to us or asking questions, all three of us are on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is my name, Brad Behrens. Uh, David's yours is Mr. D. Cohen. MRD Tiffany, Cohen, your, yes. MRD Cohen. Uh, and Tiffany, yours is T-I-F-F-K-H-S-U. So Tiffany right. K-S-U. So uh, we will take a, take a break to look, and not a commercial break, but I'll uh, sneakily look around the screen to see if anyone is posting anything uh, to Twitter, uh, comments, uh, questions, concerns. Um, David, a moment ago, you, you alluded to your old world. Uh, less than a year ago, you were the president of Magna. You've had you know, a, a long and prestigious career in the media agency business before deciding to slum it with us uh, at IAB. Um, what would you have a year ago, had this happened and you were still uh, in the saddle at Magna, what would your response to your op-ed have been? What would your response have been? And then how would you immediately have communicated that both internally to your team and externally? to your clients, what, what can someone in your old job do concretely today to uh, move the ball forward on your op-ed? Yep, um, and I am pleased to say that I've actually, I've, I've borne witness to some of the things that are actually happening um, at IPG and at, at Magna and at UM and at Initiative. And I, I do think that uh, there's tremendous alignment. So uh, if I were to put myself a year ago um, I, I, I'm, my general kind of uh, orientation around things like this is 
um, fact-based, um, not hysterics, kind of just assess the situation. So, um, and I would be doing just that with my uh, kind of teams and, and colleagues. Um, obviously, as I said before, uh, agencies are just that, agents for brands and marketers. And there are different brands and marketers which come at uh, their activities from a different place. Uh, and there are some that are uh, more sensitive, some that are more risk averse, some that are more willing to kind of push the envelope. And I know that we're going to probably talk about kind of the, uh, the kind of corollary conversation around brand safety and brand suitability and kind of this bleeds into some of that. Um, but, but we would just, uh, I would think that, you know, a year ago, we'd be doing a lot of the same thing that I'm doing now, which is trying to uh, make sure that we are supporting uh, the vital part of our business to make sure that we're uh, saving lives. And uh, we would do that through uh, direct conversations with our clients, internal communications with our constituents. Um, and obviously we'd be collecting feedback uh, from the field to see if that message was resonating or if we needed to do some additional kind of recalibration. But I, I think that I'd be doing something similar. When honest. you say feedback from the field, do you mean from clients? Do you mean from I mean, ad oh, placements? Like yeah, what, I mean, what does that I mean? mean? You know, so, so, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there's lo obviously lots of folks that are playing a part in, um, that play a part in a digital ad campaign, right? There's third party verification companies, which kind of set up a, uh, a default kind of uh, a blocking mechanism for certain settings of risk tolerance that I'd want to kind of get feedback from them. I'd want to get feedback from the publisher community. I'd want to get feedback from marketers and brands. How are they feeling um, and kind of adjust accordingly. So it would be kind of a, a holistic uh, round robin. And, and that's the role of the media agency is, is to be kind of in the center of the, uh, you know, the mush yep. pit there. Um, Mosh pit, indeed. Uh, what do you think uh, your clients, without naming names, unless you want to, of course, uh, what do you think your clients would have said to this? Do you th what range of responses? And Tiffany, I'm going to ask the same question of you in a moment in terms of advertisers you're tracking. Well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing what those client conversations are, are, are bearing now, right today. So we've heard back from many, many publishers, which have said that brands are, um, are blocking the news. They are blocking these kind of uh, keywords and phrases around coronavirus. So I don't have to imagine what would have happened a year ago, what we're seeing what's happening actually today. Um, and, I, and I think that that is the potentially the knee-jerk reaction. So better to be safe than sorry um, kind of uh, perception that, that actually, or perspective that actually exists uh, in, in this space. But, I do think um, when you take a breath and take a minute to think about kind of what the impact of that action will have, I do hope uh, that brands and marketers and agencies will kind of uh, reassess. Let, let me pressure you on this one a little bit. My, Please. You know, my sense is that uh, by and large, the brands leave all of this to the agencies and that... Yeah and that the agencies are the ones doing the blacklist. No, you, so you think this is being driven? No, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I have learned one thing in my career and there is, a, there is no simple answer to any of these questions. Uh, I wish that when I was back on the agency side, every brand and marketer approached this the same way. That's absolutely not the case. I will tell you though, that there are very, very few marketers that are hands-off on this topic. 
many are this is this is their their brand that we are talking about which is obviously um sacrosanct and valuable and they're very involved in blacklists and whitelists and do not run lists and and this conversation so i think that um i think that's a uh, a false narrative that agencies are just doing this on their own so tiffany what do you have to say about this if anything so i was looking into kind of a similar situation um, back when the impeachment proceedings were happening. And I was talking to agency people and to marketing uh, folks at companies, right? And across the board, people were saying, what do I have to benefit? Or like, how, how, how do I benefit from advertising next to a story about impeachment, right? The only thing I'm going to do is annoy people on, on either side of the fence. There's just no winning in this case. And I think that line of thought is coming up a fair amount now um, with coronavirus, right? What, what do we really have to offer if we put an ad for our product or our service next to a story about the coronavirus death toll um, or, or people in the hospitals with, without ventilators, right? We're not likely to sell uh, whatever it is we're trying to sell. We're not likely to convince people that we're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. There, there's just, there's a lot of concern about how this is going to be um, perceived in an environment where everyone, all news consumers are, are just really not in, in the mood to be um, forgiving of companies. Um, that said, you're starting to see more companies, I think, play around with a PSA style um, of marketing where, where you've got, uh, I think it was Nike over the weekend that had ads going up about playing indoors. Um, Coca-Cola had an ad up, I believe, in, in Times Square on a billboard where all of the letters of the um, brand were spaced apart. You know, you've got uh, the White House working with the Ad Council to put out actual PSAs on this front. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more marketers think, well, okay, if we look at this as more of a, um, an informational or, or ch a chance to be informational, maybe we'll go that route. But I would be shocked if, if the, the vast majority of, um, general marketers are looking at this as a way to, or as a chance to promote a product or service. I, I think Tiffany, you actually raise a really, really uh, important point, which sometimes falls by the wayside. I, I have found that oftentimes we focus on kind of media and spending and audiences and all that kind of stuff and don't spend enough time actually on the, on the messaging and on the creative. And I think now more than ever, um, it's simply about what, it's really about both. It's like, what is the appropriate message in this environment? And can all of us imagine if we didn't have the resource of the news outlets that we have been glued to for so long, what would we do? I mean, the, I think that we would be in a far, far worse state than, um, than the educated state that we are now. It's certainly, uh, there is a lot of anxiety, but just imagine if we didn't have the the richness of information that we're getting um, from the news outlets. Uh, and just to validate this, I, I mean, I think actually it's a question rather as well, which is, you know, it seems like a tweak on process to suddenly have the media agency, you know, if they get the green light to advertise uh, around the news, then to suddenly push back and say, okay, we have to now review the creative we need to make sure that we're not having a, a plucky, optimistic summer vacation 
you know, advertisement next to something about people dying. How nimble, uh, David, do you think that the, the combo platter of the, the, the advertisers, brand, uh, media agencies and creative agencies are in, in, in pursuit of that? I, I think, um, you know, with the stakes as high as they are, um, I've seen this play out many, many times. You can um, create uh, creative in the digital uh, ecosystem super quick, super efficient, lots of versions. I do think that there might be some work to be done, but I would say that there might be very much some of the stuff that's in rotation already is reasonably appropriate. And then perhaps creating some bespoke uh, messaging relative to the environment that we're in. But I don't think that should be a limiting factor. So here's a question. The next question is, uh, I'd love to talk about what is the worst case scenario for an advertiser uh, in this situation. Uh, I think uh, Tiffany, you and I both independently brought up the airlines not wanting to advertise next to a story about a plane crash. But I checked and according to, where was it? The Aviation Safety Network, there were 20 fatal plane crashes uh, worldwide in uh, 2019. Uh, 11 of them were here in the US, 20. So like, what are the odds that given all of the stories and all of the news and all of the eyeballs and all of the algorithmic optimization, that that's gonna happen anyway, where you know, United Airlines is gonna be right next to a story about a crash or any airline. Um, what are the odds and, and what really would be so bad about that? So uh, Tiffany, let's start with you because in terms of what you're seeing and then David putting your uh, media agency hat back on. So, so two, maybe three weeks ago, I honestly have lost track of time at this point, but not, not that long ago, this was happening with the cruise ship companies, sure. right? Where you were seeing briefings about coronavirus showing up with, with stories about thousands of people being isolated on cruise ships next to ads about amazing um, sun-filled cruise ship um, vacations. Right, this was happening all over the place. It, at one point, it, this isn't necessarily a digital ad. This was on CNN. There was a discussion happening about the isolations on the cruise ships, and I think a princess ad showed up in the commercial break immediately following. And this, as you can imagine, did not go over well um, on social media. People were all over this, complaining um, about the the awkward adjacency. Um, of seeing an ad. And if anything, it, it reflected badly on the um, advertiser, right? So I think after that spate of, of advertisements, a lot of those companies said, we're just, we're not advertising right now. Granted, they're also not running um, a right. lot of their routes, um, but it just, it did exactly the opposite of what you as an advertiser want to achieve. And I think there are a lot of other companies now that are looking at this and thinking, we don't want to be in that situation, right? Whether we're selling um, hand sanitizer, uh, we don't want to be seen as profiting off of this scenario. Um, are, are you a, um, an airline company, right? Don't, don't want to be seen as, as telling people, yes, get on a plane and spread the virus everywhere. There, there's just, there are a lot of marketers that are looking at the cost benefit of, of running any kind of an ad at this point, especially on a digital platform and thinking it's just not worth the risk. David, what do you think about this? 
I think that the uh, airline running next to an airline crash is the, you know, the epitome or the, um, the, the use case that often gets cited. I mean, the truth of the matter is there are many, many cases, whether it's a cruise line running a happy message next to this kind of uh, environment, or if you're in food and beverage and someone gets food poisoning, or you, I mean, you could think about the litany of cases that it's inappropriate to run an ad. To your question, what's the worst that can possibly happen? Um, you know, you have to put everything into perspective, I think. And this is, you know, not to humanize the situation, but but people aren't going to die in that in that environment. People will die if we don't have access to unfettered news and editorial coverage. So um, I, I do think that we have to just kind of recalibrate. Uh, to your question, what's the worst that can possibly happen? There are times that it would be inappropriate to run ads, and I think that that's a perfectly legitimate conversation to happen in normal times. We're, we're not in normal times. And I also would uh, just say, just to Tiffany's point, that um, if you're talking about all advertisers right now, we would say that the vast majority of them could follow David's lead. Uh, Princess Cruises probably is an exception, given that they're in the hot seat right now, but they, there aren't that many cruise lines advertising, etc. So it's sort of, you know, I, I, there's never one rule uh, to fit all. I do want to, to just pressurize this for another moment, which is, um, is the situation that we're talking about really even, is brand safety that issue uh, is, is, or is it the right term to, for us to be using? I, I went back and I reviewed the four A's, our sister trade associations, 13 part brand safety floor framework. And um, you know, they're talking about uh, hate acts and racism, uh, you know, about talking about uh, guns and military conflict. I mean, it's, it's a formidable list. Uh, you know, uh, arms and ammunition, you know, porn, tobacco uh, and vaping, terrorism, those are things that are not brand safe. But uh, bad news, you know, depressing news, uh, compelling news of the world, that doesn't even merit inclusion in this framework. So is brand safety even the right term for us to be using? Tiffany, you want to take a crack at that? <laughs> sure. So, so I think this actually ties into uh, David's point earlier, right, about this, this idea that without up-to-date verified information, you actually run the risk of, of people not being in a good way, right? Because without good news coverage across the country telling people, you got to wash your hands, right? You've got to social distance. The virus would have spread faster than it's already spreading. So given that... Um, I think there's there's an argument to be made about um, advertising being used to spread that kind of information, right? So, Brad, you mentioned um, uh, hateful acts, right? A lot of that's happening right now. Um, there, there's a lot of racism and xenophobia toward Asians. So who's to say an advertiser couldn't go out and put some sort of a message on a news site about everyone gathering together or like helping out your neighbors instead of hating on your neighbors. Uh, I, I personally haven't seen that. That's not to say that's not going to be next. To, to answer your question, Brad, I think that, you know, 
I don't think this is a brand safety issue. I think it's the kind of sister to brand safety, which we typically call brand suitability. So, you know, brands obviously want to align themselves with environments that are, uh, that provide a halo, provide some benefit to them that are kind of uh, contextually relevant. So I think it's more a question of that than it is uh, brand safety, because this wouldn't, having been a student of, uh, of the brand safety kind of conversations over the past years and months, uh, I don't, I can't think of a category where that would fit, um, but it's, I think it's more a brand suitability conversation. Fair enough. We're, we're almost out of time. So I do uh, want to do a quick public service announcement, which is irrelevant to this conversation, but acutely relevant to the industry, which is one thing you'll hear us talking about at IAB a great deal is Project REARC, which uh, came up first in our annual leadership meeting in February. Uh, we have a webinar, which will be on Thursday at noon Eastern. And I'd like to urge everyone uh, in the industry to register for that webinar, which you can do on IAB.com and please attend. It's critically important information. It is uh, not uh, highly technical. It's the webinar is about why this is important and what we're going to have to change in the very near future. Uh, and then the last thing that I want to do here is I want to ask both of you, um, what are you doing to stay sane and stay optimistic during this, this time of being, you know, sheltering in place and, and not being able to leave the house, not being able to see people. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I'm doing uh, is I'm just calling people uh, on the phone, on video chat, particularly people who live alone, who I think are feeling the brunt of this more than anyone else. So what are you doing? Give people a tip about something cool you can do to, to stay sane, optimistic and connected. Tiffany, what about you? Uh, <laughs> I am baking a lot of cookies and eating a lot of cookies. Um, and I'm discovering that I'm terrible at uh, YouTube yoga, but I'm, I'm doing my best and it's helping. That's great. David, what about you? So I have um, two teenage daughters um, and uh, for anyone that has teenage uh, children, uh, typically there's a closed door that you're facing most of the time. So you don't even know what is happening. They're doing whatever they're doing. So I have found that the, um, the sunny side of what's happened over the past couple of weeks is that I have much, much more time with my family, with my children, with my wife. My commute from my bedroom to my office uh, never has traffic. Uh, and I get up and I walk around and I'm able to kind of reconnect with them at points throughout the day. So um, I, I think that that's super important. And, um, and as my oldest goes off to college, those will be moments that I won't be able to recreate. So that's my... That's great. Yeah. Uh, so thank you both, David and K Tiffany. I'm really grateful that you could join us. Uh, we're going to look forward to having both of you back soon. I'm going to do the credits now, which is that IEB there is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, and John Ward. I'm Brad Behrens, Editor-in-Chief here at the IEB. Thanks everyone who is watching for watching. Uh, we hope that you found some value in it. We hope that you'll be able to join us tomorrow for another episode of IAB There. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you.